0: work radio this week's show is a journey into consciousness working through the wonderful trance mediumship of mick and sylvie avery with wisdom brought through by spirit guide gregory hay to find out more about their work you can visit www.spirit-teaching.com very warm welcome to the show gregory it's great to have you back long time no speak i hope you've been feeling well I am
1: never better, my dear friend, and thank you so very much for inviting us once again. Um, For my point, as Gregory Hay of the White Cloud Group, I make no uh, commitment in respect of my uh, energy or of my uh, perceived egotism, but I am simply here as a simple soul. And I am purely and simply as a spokesperson for a vast group. Of understanding
0: okay well thank you Um, before we get going tonight there's a big topic that I want to cover and it's a it's a big big topic not getting a lot of traction in the news unfortunately which is a bit bizarre um, and that is the the issue around the large oil spill in the Gulf of Mexico Um, there seems to be a lot of um, uh, posing faults really on how much oil is leaking on a daily basis with BP officially estimating it's something around 5,000 barrels a day or 200,000 odd gallons a day um, yes. some experts or independent experts at least That's seem right. to be thinking it could be much larger than that even you know, maybe uh, 4 million gall- gallons a day um, I mean I've got plenty of questions to ask you on this but I mean what are your thoughts on that?
1: Uh, yes, well, to begin with, my dear friend, I understand that the first point to make in this regard is really to do with the uh, director, the uh, person in charge of the company uh, has uh, has to be called into question simply because of his attitude of being that uh, the oil spill in the Gulf of Mexico is just very uh, uh, moderate mm-hmm. and that it's really nothing for anyone to worry about. I uh, would actually stand to say uh, that from our perspective it is everything to worry about, partly because of the complacent attitude of all of those companies who are exploring uh, the world's resources in this way, in this uh, uh, laissez-faire way of uh, really not caring about the product or about the environment in which they invade. So much of this I do feel, dear friend, is in a sense resting on their shoulders and it shouldn't be. So what I have to say about this is really that it is time that uh, governments of countries took back the reins. You cannot give the reins to companies purely and simply because they'll just go their own way and they will have complete and utter regard, disregard uh, for the um, environment in which they pre- um, actually wish to evade. Uh, so I have to say, Friend, that the first point really should be for humanity to take charge of their own resources and to actually mitigate to uh, clear out a lot of these uh, uh, very large companies which are doing such destructive disservice to human beings and to the natural world in which you live. Of course, much of this you actually feel yourselves you can't do. You simply, as a people, are disempowered to such an extent that you have given off your power to all of these other uh, combinations of peoples forming companies which are then beyond your control. So as a people, what you have to do is register your uh, complete abhorrence of these acts in exactly the same way as you do about financial circumstances and institutions which uh, frequently disregard human beings' own resources and actually play with people's lives. This is exactly the same situation. So I'm off my soapbox now. And the point is that, I have to say, is that there are between, uh, um, I understand, up to and around uh, 3,000 barrels a day uh, uh, which are actually being emitted at this present time because what they're actually showing in film is just a small part of it. I understand that the The piece itself, the rig itself, has fallen on its side, the the actual workings of it, and so that has in a sense not, it's not just the one pipe uh, which has ruptured, in fact it's almost sheared off completely, but it still has mangled wreckage around it, Uh, there are also other parts to this as well, because it's uh, actually quite an unsafe structure. So, I understand that part of the problem of this really is that unless they actually get into clearing away the structure completely and then devising a methodology of uh, erecting the right kind of platform deep uh, uh, at the 5,000 feet, I understand that's the depth of, of sea at that point and that uh, because in actual fact the last problem that they had created was in uh, bringing this device down which was supposed to have then uh, been able enabling them to uh, cap in a sense or to direct the flow of oil away and onto ships and that kind of thing the point is that they actually sent it down um, uh, the right way up and they should have sent it down actually upside down and then righted it once they'd got to the bottom mm. This was only purely because it meant then that the entrapment of crystals because of the intense cold was able to accumulate in the top of the the device and that simply then meant that they couldn't actually use it. So that if they had sent it down upside down it would have corrected that event.
0: Right. Did you say 3,000 barrels or 30,000 barrels? I said uh, around 3,000 and is that the amount that is leaking now or is it because some people say that they were officially saying 5,000 barrels all along but um, according to reports the other day um, some people seem to think that it must be way higher than the the 5,000 barrels it fluctuates. To be honest, my dear friend, purely and simply because of the pressure. Uh,
1: you have to understand that ordinarily such situations would not have occurred if it had been left to its own devices. Purely and simply because what normally happens in a, an operation to extract oil from such a place is that they actually have to uh, that there actually has to be sea water pumped in to the aquifer, the oil aquifer, in order for the oil to be actually brought to the surface. And it's purely and simply the pumping of the seawater into it that enables the oil to come out. In this regard, it's actually uh, a completely different situation because what you have is tectonic plates which are pressing against the oil aquifer and that is meaning that the pressure at times is exuded far greater than at others. Uh, when the pressure is actually taken off of it. So it it, it actually fluctuates probably between uh, something like 3,000 barrels per day, um, sometimes up to 5 or even 8,000 barrels a day, depending upon what the pressure is. It does fluctuate a great deal. Right. I do not see, however, that it is as much as 30,000 barrels a day. That is, uh, uh, you would have seen a, 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 a vast uh, uh, impact if that had been the case. And it is not, uh, as yet, the kind of impact that it would significantly recall that amount of oil being pumped into it. Don't forget, friend, that when oil actually mixes with water, it does two things. Some of it separates the heavier oil, separates and forms into globulates, and uh, uh, sometimes these can be as large as footballs, I understand, but usually are about the size of a tennis ball or slightly smaller. I understand that otherwise the lighter oils actually settle upon the surface and form a sort of a a mirror-like sludge upon the surface. This is the one single part which is so catastrophic for uh, seabirds and wildlife uh, which uh, actually uses the surface. Uh, The other forms uh, are what tend to get washed up on the seashore and also coat uh, various things like um, I I suppose you would say uh, fish's spawning grounds and that kind of thing which of course uh, is really a very necessary part particularly in that uh, environment itself uh, with all of the uh, uh, oyster beds and all of that. Yes. Yeah.
0: And what about the the gallon? I mean, there's a report today that said there are 700,000 gallons of toxic dispersants being used to try and break up the oil. Um, and you have to wonder what that's doing also to the oxygen levels in the sea and also to the environment. Oh,
1: oh yes, yes. Yes, well, and I have to say, because of the fact, friend uh, Ian, that in actual fact, that environment, that whole region, in fact, had been a disaster zone in any event before this uh, catastrophe was set off, because we had already been talking for the last four or five years, in fact, of uh, our understanding of the depletion of the oxygen levels at that particular time and the raise in in saline solution and the fact that the balance was actually bringing that part of the uh, oceanic world if you like uh, to begin to becoming starved of oxygen almost completely and we could foresee at that point of four or five years ago that within about uh, seven or eight years that piece of sea would actually become lifeless. And this, of course, uh, oil invasion in this way is uh, simply going to make exacerbate that situation and make it far, far worse. I feel personally that the only uh, scenario now left to the American peoples and American government will be to take command of the entire situation themselves and to then uh, make sure that the oil company itself pays for everything that is then uh, uh, brought about in their favor because they are clearly incapable of making any kind of rational decision about the matter and even in fact because of their multiple failures in this regard and complete disregard for the environment, I would say that that is the the best scenario for the American peoples and for humanity itself to make in their charge,
0: yes. Mm. Because I know there's been reports um, with CNBC, I think it was, or CBS. They went down there to the to the shoreline, and there was heavies, yes, heavies yes. working for BP, turning people away, threatening them with um, being arrested. So it's like a huge cover-up that's been... Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, the other thing...
1: But they can't do no. that. You see, that's... The point. And then then if you have a situation where people just succumb to that kind of bullying situation, that is when human beings have to take command of the, of the whole project, in a sense. And that's really what they have to do, is for the government of that area to actually take command, and, and uh, they need to tell the company what to do. It shouldn't be the other way around, you see. You, they have actually attested to uh, their their unwillingness to cooperate with the environment and their inability to perceive of the emergent uh, energy uh, catastrophe that they will create through this Uh, lack of foresight. So in a sense they've done all of the wrong things, they need it to be taken away from them.
0: I mean the other issue, obviously the the environment um, is severely impacted, the the sea life is impacted, the the birds that use the area, obviously people that live nearby, their livelihoods are affected. Um, Other people talk about there could be effects of methane rising from the ocean floor as well that could affect people in the region. Is there any risk of that?
1: Well, my dear friend, I would say that that's marginal. The greatest point, really, to do with the whole impact upon that part of the world, in any event, as I say, we have been talking about for the last four years, is really to do with the decimation of oxygenating plant life and oxygen-giving resources within that area. So uh, the methane question is really moot because of the fact that you will all always have a certain amount of methane in that area, in any event, from all the, of the beings that live there. Um, not least of all human beings, but uh, all of the creatures of the sea all give off methane to a certain extent. Will there be more exacerbated amounts of methane perhaps coming up from the oil field itself? It is potentially that there will be a small amount, but insignificant really in relation to the environment. What is more, more important is the fact that there are going to be various different situations which in a way that in in exactly the same way as if you have the situation of uh, uh, people breeding cattle for example on land creates far more methane than this situation at this present time. Yeah, okay. And so uh, people in uh, uh, in the uh, state of Texas for example breeding cattle which actually pumps out far more methane than even the volcano in Iceland. So uh, th- that means then it's a whole different situation that you have to really deal with if you are talking about methane then being a foreign object in a sense. Mm. The earth depends upon a certain amount of methane to actually stabilize the the uh, the stratosphere and the ecosystem uh, in, on which it survives. I understand that the actual uh, facets of this are uh, micro-balanced, but that it needs to be maintained. Yeah.
0: So is it within human um, creativity and engineering um, to get this thing plugged anytime soon, do you think?
1: Yes, absolutely, absolutely. They're just not thinking of the right thing. Right,
0: okay. And the other question I've got as well is that, um, you know, BP, massive company, uh, apparently they earn something around $6 billion, dollars I believe in in first quarter so they they make an an astronomical amount of money in profit and you know this is the money that is costing them at the moment I think is just nothing really It's not even making a dent in how much money they earn so they 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 can actually afford to be quite cocky and um, and not really and not, not bother, bother. exactly and um, just looking on, on the news today i think that all the companies involved in this together together collectively i think they've lost about 94 billion dollars on the stock markets but really in terms of the, the profits they earn because the world is addicted to oil we need oil governments need oil because it's revenue to give them money to to operate so you know like it's not like we can all just turn around and say, right, we're not going to use oil anymore and, and try and punish them. It just can't happen, can it? But the, the other question I've got around oil is that we're, we're led to believe that it's a fossil fuel. And in the, the, you know, at some point in the future, we're going to run out of it. But is oil really a fossil fuel?
1: Yes, it is. It's from dinosaurs and from vegetation and all other life that has existed since the world, uh, the Earth, began
0: supporting life. So, because, I mean, some people say that, it's you know, they're finding this stuff sort of 40,000 feet under the ground. Um, Yes. You know, so in a sense, then, are you saying that it can run out, then, if it's um, a fossil fuel?
1: No, I'm not saying that as long as there are human beings and as long as there are beings, creatures, living upon the earth and then passing and their detritus uh, goes into the earth and eventually the goopy stuff that ends up from the living tissue physical body ends up as pools of oil.
0: So how does it get down there? Is there like a sort of conveyor belt system that sort of sucks it down underneath the sea floor somewhere? How does it get down so low? Well, my dear friend, uh, it really depends upon which part of
1: the rock, uh, of uh, pervious rock or or impervious rock, there tends to be then for it to channel and be held uh, at certain places. And that's all it is really. That's uh, simply, I suppose, why it is as well. When you are looking at tectonic plate movement, you have to understand that much of the oil actually uh, is within the sea. And that's purely and simply because the, the mantles are gradually moving apart. So, what tends to happen is that oil that was originally uh, perhaps uh, created on land then evolved and gradually moved through tectonic plate movement uh, underneath the sea and then comes up somewhere else. So, that the whole point of this situation over the millions of years in which all beings uh, of uh, through the evolutionary state of the Earth have existed. is, is simply a matter then of uh, naturally it will be a finite state because if human beings' insatiable appetite for oil outstrips the Earth planet's ability to produce it, then it will naturally become a finite resource and will so that the oil then obviously is a finite resource because of this tectonic plate movement and it will eventually run out that is of course so long as human beings take advantage of what
0: they found now rather than preserving it for the future Mm. so you know in my opinion i i feel that really oil oil should be used more around what they you know products like plastics and um, not to say not, you know abuse of plastics is bad as well but maybe just use it as a material rather than as an energy source and maybe look at other cleaner yes, ways absolutely. Mm. i guess while they're making yes, six absolutely. billion you know dollars profit a quarter from oil you know these guys are not ready to give up on it are they no but that's my point
1: really dear friend. that's the reason why it is that Uh, the situation is that governments in countries, nationalities have allowed this to get out of control so what needs to be done is the whole situation reined in by the world uh, at large uh, coming together and actually saying right this has to be a new formation and only in that way will it then become that Uh, The situation will become tenable once more. I I would have to say, friend. without that occurring, you're going to see a lot of very, very angry human beings.
0: Mm. But maybe angry human beings are be the force that make them change, maybe.
1: It is potentially, I feel, that way, yes. Absolutely so. But that, of course, will depend again upon the uh, objective mind, does it not? And whether human beings actually feel that they should stand up and uh, actually have a
0: voice and be counted, or whether they should just wait for their next life. Okay. Oh, i well, not to dwell on that too much. Um, it's quite an interesting no. topic anyway, isn't it? And I've uh, been dying to ask you about it, really. <laughs> um, so <laughs> an o- another topic I just wanted to talk about, really, was... Um, as around the, the Native American Indians and the indigenous cultures around the world, really, like we've kind of moved headstrong into the 21st century, uh, very high-tech, yes. and it's, it just seems to be like the Western ways is the way to live, and it's very material. But you know all these indigenous groups have really lived in harmony with everything. They just seem to be left behind, and a lot of them now are suffering because of it. And I just wondered if you had any. Yes. You
1: know, yes, absolutely so, friend Ian. Uh, Part of, from our perspective, is that of young people within these indigenous groups. And as you say, we're talking about in a global way. This is not something which is just uh, endemic upon one specific group or one country or one uh, nation in particular. This is something which is endemic throughout. I understand that a lot of the uh, great pressures that are exerted upon tribal Uh, nations and indigenous groups are really to do with two or three different focused situations which have been arising over the last um, well 10 or 15 years really. That is in part to do with the whole threat of uh, indigenous peoples in certain specific food groups that they are. They have actually had their own food sources taken away from them and so are actually living life eating things that their physical genetics are not actually geared up to eat, and which actually produces people then with uh, a great many diseases, uh, TB and um, um, various things like uh, uh, various kinds of diabetes, and also liver problems and, and such like, and also, of course, the actual whole situation of alcoholic poisoning, which is much to do about the separation of young people from actually uh, feeling as though they have a voice, and particularly in these kinds of circumstances where perhaps their parents have been so disenfranchised from the land that was taken from them, and that kind of thing. I know that a lot of people on your side of life would say, well, uh, human beings just have to live with it and and that's the way it is now, it's the way it is on the ground rather than uh, in the fanciful flights of of, uh, looking back at their own ancestry, but in some respects that's all very well to say that, but for many peoples, their parents, young people, Uh, their parents have actually become so uh, forlorn about the losses that were created upon them by their loss of habitat, naturality by their harmonic living condition as you rightly point out Ian Fend, that this whole situation is then becoming uh, a a source of entrapment to many of these groups. I cite here uh, particularly uh, peoples of the uh, uh, Sioux Nation, uh, particularly, of course, those on Pine Ridge uh, Reservation, as well as many other reservations uh, that I am well aware of, uh, particularly in the Blackfeet Nation as well uh, to do with uh, various places of their uh, uh, state of uh, reservation uh, understanding. But you have to remember, Fred, that many of these peoples who live on the reservation lands are actually, even though they are nations within their own right, and in actual fact under that auspices means that they are countries within their own right, having their own laws and that kind of thing does not necessarily mean to say that the uh, rights are still adhered to. For example, I understand that in the Blackfeet Nation that peoples are still not allowed to represent themselves, that they have to have a court-appointed attorney to represent them. They're not allowed to pick their own. I understand also that the situation of uh, 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 people actually receiving help from tribal funds and that kind of thing tends to be a very partisan. Pais- uh, bipartisan situation in that uh, oftentimes what will happen in tribal areas is that the tribal chiefs actually take a lot for themselves, uh, where have you heard this before, and that uh, many others then who are who do not have those stations, do not have that uh, uh, luxury of sitting on the tribal councils actually then um, are left without And so very many people actually end up in being quite disenfranchised, even though there are many people with very good minds, with uh, good forms of education, their willingness to learn and all of that. Um, that doesn't mean to say necessarily that they can actually uh, overcome their problems of great prejudice particularly from their white neighbors or whoever else they happen to be living close to. For example, uh, I turn again with the Pine Ridge Reservation because I understand their water supply is still polluted greatly by those people living further upstream who actually would much rather see them all perish I am sure. I understand too that there are people, even from your fair country at this present time, who had been doing a great deal to do with the Pine Ridge Reservation and uh, in, in helping them overcome their problems, particularly for their elderly people. But it's really the younger people that we are turning our attention to at this present time because they feel so uh, isolated and so bereft, really. Uh, I understand one of the greatest endemics within this is really to do with alcoholic poisoning and uh, really self-abuse, I have to say, uh, purely from their own uh, starvation of, und- of uh, empathy or understanding from the outside world into actually seeing them to be Uh, really finding themselves in very much the same way I would have to say as well that peoples from the uh, central Mississippi basin as well are are peoples that are feeling completely uh, depressed and left out. In this respect I know that moves away from indigenous peoples but you would have very many black communities and uh, peoples from uh, Afro-Caribbean nations which who are actually entrapped in those situations too. And they've been there for uh, a good many years. Oftentimes we are looking at uh, fourth and fifth generation uh, people that have lived there and that are actually entrapped completely within the environment and simply cannot get out of it. So what is the only course of action open to them uh, appears to be uh, that of the bottle or some kind of inebriation or or something just to stem the tide of humanity against them, and also, I suppose, in a sense, the world against them as well, mm. because of uh, different situations of the planet and that kind of thing. This is not something which is just endemic to North America. It's something that a part of, uh, as well that Aboriginal peoples are, are moving through as well, although I understand that the Australian peoples en masse have actually embraced the ecology and the welfare and the understanding of harmonization with these peoples, with their people of their own land, in a sense, and they have come to appraise them in a different way. I understand that some of these people in in Australia, for example, have still not caught up yet. So it means that some young people, even though they may have become educated, some of them have been left behind. It depends entirely upon who you ask, really. But from our perspective we're saying that Australia seems to be a much more embracing power uh, particularly for the environment and for the well-being because they're seeing it much further firsthand in a sense because it's their environment that has been uh, the, uh, at the resulting end of the, catastro- of the, catos- cat- of the catastrophes of the planet. You see, so we have all of these different situations going on in respect of of this and they are the people who are actually facing it at this present time with their seven-year drought and all the rest of it and I understand that it may well be that it comes up to ten years. So in many respects I would say that people from from that area of the world are actually going through a very tumultuous time at this present moment as well as many other peoples. I understand that it's quite possible that South America will be next.
0: Yeah, one of the uh, I think it was that they're they're, they're trying to stop immigration like Mexicans coming across into the US. Ah, Um, It's quite controversial.
1: Yes, yes, you're talking about uh, New Mexico, uh, uh, Arizona, and... Uh, That's the word, Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. But there again, though, my dear friend, they have their own problems in New Mexico and uh, Arizona, as I understand, particularly to do with the, uh, uh, the uh, amounts of drought and also the infestations of varying different kinds of insects moving north purely and simply because of the change in environmental uh, situations in that area, the, uh, uh, the warming, gradual warming further north and the further that that progresses, I understand it's uh, marching at this present time at a rate of around uh, uh, 20 to 30 miles a year at this present time. And that means that insects are following it. Uh, which means is part of the reason why you have the uh, very great uh, uh, strenuous situation of bees at this present time being uh, eaten by other bees from South America and that's only simply because of the gross uh, uh, farming techniques that they had created in North America which then meant that they weren't actually keeping their bees properly in the first place and led to various kinds of disease and weakness which meant that they were unable to fight against the killer bees from the south of america i understand you have similar situations within your present country of the united kingdom uh, with hornets from
0: france just something i want to ask in context with what you've been saying really around all the indigenous groups and i've come across um, some writings uh, a while back where you know, some of the elders in in these indigenous groups were kind of saying that, you know, they had a prophecy, right? And um, I don't know whether it's a prophecy or whether it's common sense or um, whether they can really see what's going to happen. But they were kind of saying that they wanted the Congress or the UN or the, the government to kind of embrace the indigenous peoples. And the way they saw it was that um, if by a certain time this didn't happen, then it was kind of then... An opportunity missed, and then the days of purification would, be, would happen, kind of thing. You know, where, you know, um, the time of being out of balance with human nature will suddenly yes. catch up with us. And in a way, it, that, that is probably what's happening now, in a sense.
1: Yes, that's what we call the tipping point. And we have been talking about this for many years the tipping point of humanity and how it is that human beings have to come to understand that in order to live upon the planet, they have to live in harmony with it, not against it. The point is that the Victorians, I understand, were the people who dreamt up the idea that everything had to be adversarial to do with uh, fighting for the cause for humanity's right to stay upon the planet. Whereas for the indigenous peoples, Uh, of anywhere you would care to name is all about being in environmental awareness of the rest of the planet so that you could do things which then enabled you not to be so rigid so that your stick house would break down but to be fluid so that you would actually be able to move with the moment and with the situation that was created the planet is a very volatile place. Planets are. That's just what they do. It isn't something that means that they're doing that because of human beings upon it. That's a a fallacy. That's an imagination, a mirage, that human beings want to throw up to absolve themselves of their own responsibility for the situations that are created. In part, what happens is that the planet's going to do it anyway, regardless of what you do or what events you create, apart from the points where you make environmental impact, whereby you desecrate other life forms, which means, in a sense, that what you're doing is creating a hole with which to dig yourself in. Rather than actually creating a sense of welfare, You're actually taking uh, welfare away from yourself by allowing species to become extinct, for example. Because, in actual fact, the Earth needs all of the species that you have. And I know full well that there are many species still being created. That they are gradually, through the evolutionary process, moving away from one another and becoming something else to fill environmental needs and gaps that have been left by other species that became deceased. But this takes time. And what human beings have uh, set about as a precedent, in a sense, is to bring about a kind of a less severe attitude toward all other species. It's like anything. It it really doesn't matter. All that matters is human beings, which is a very short-sighted way. And I understand that many native indigenous peoples had seen this as a way of, uh, in, in a sense that It would always be the case that there would be fires in the forest and that they would burn down and that then the forest that came out of it would be better than the one that burned down because uh, perhaps it was uh, destroying itself in any event because that is sometimes what forests do. It just because it is something of a natural disaster seen upon by the eyes of many doesn't mean to say that it really is. It's oftentimes a birth and renewal. What human beings have to understand is, if you build your house in a forest, be aware. They sometimes burn down. If you wish to build your house in the sea, be aware. Sometimes there are storms. In exactly the same way, if you build your house on a uh, river margin, water margin, or somehow that there are uh, situations very, very close to water whereby it is a flooding field or something like that. That is obvious then, it's going to come back and haunt you. It's going to come back to reveal what it truly is. So it simply means that it's only a disaster in making if you create the making of it. Otherwise, it's a natural situation of Mm.
0: life okay right, well, i think we've um we covered that topic uh quite deeply tonight um yeah, just yeah. just a few more other things before we round up we've got i think we've got twenty minutes left yet i think anyway yes, yes. um yes. this is a question that i I would like asked, really we talk about humans having spirit guides and helpers and doorkeepers um in, in other shows we talk about um uh, other life forms other intelligent e t s and groups out in the cosmos and stuff like that um one thing I would never really ask is do these beings also have spirit guides? Do they have their own version of the spirit world and their own doorkeepers? Um, or are they kind of so tuned into their higher self that perhaps they don't need them?
1: It, it isn't really a matter of need, it is simply a matter of the law of proximity. Because when you are, let's say, we're talking about a, a carpet situation, then of all beings in physical life. All beings, when they're in physical life, have to have someone to look after their aspect of their spirit and their journey. They have to have a witness to their journey. All beings, without exception, have that witness. Whether it's a being from their own uh, um, evolutionary state or whether it's a being from someone else's evolutionary state. That is not the point. The point is that you have to have a witness, purely and simply because when you understand that you are spirit first and foremost, that means that those of us in the spirit world don't have a guide, don't have a helper. We have uh, situations of relationship between one another whereby we do not have barriers in the same way that you have in physical life because you're always vying for and fighting for your place within the pecking order or within the situation of uh, conformity or harmony that you're trying to create. So that means to say that you are usually, when you're having a physical life, that you're usually in um, advancement of some kind of Uh, genetic superiority or ultimately uh, the reverse of that and what happens is that oftentimes what you're trying to do and perceive in the physical life is simply to keep your head above water when in actual fact what is going on is something because you cannot necessarily trust the things that other people think or say or feel toward you means that it's very much an adversarial condition when you're in the spirit world, it isn't an adversarial condition necessarily. I say necessarily with oh, an air of caution, because I never say an absolute. Purely and simply, there are areas within the spirit world in which adversarial conditions do, uh, are contaminated, are, are created. However, I will leave that to one side for the moment. In the general scheme of the situation, those in our side of life who have maybe had a physical life or the many trillions and billions and countless number of energies that have not not ever had a physical life and don't actually want one. It's not the bee's knees to have a physical life. It's uh, uh, in a sense like going on an expedition to the other side of the world for a human being and each being that sets off to have A situation of physical life, be it on the earth world or be it on some other planet as some other physical life form, will have a being who goes with them from the ether world, from the universe, if you like. A harmonic director? No, not necessarily. Won't necessarily be a being that plays an active part, but just simply as a witness to that person's life.
0: So with a grey, for instance, which is probably the most um, commonly viewed or, uh, you know, alien that we know about, right? Okay, would that grey alien have a spirit guide? Which form
1: of grey alien are you talking about? The okay. long thin a long, fin long
0: one. Yeah, a long, fin one.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, I understand that they do, yes.
0: And would that long, thin one have a guide that is part of the same lineage in a way that had not experience?
1: As I say, not necessarily. I understand that there are actually uh, many different areas of genetics that are represented in the white cloud group, for example. Some I've never ever seen as well because they're of a completely different vibration to me. And that doesn't mean to say that one's higher or lower. It's just different. You have to understand as a human being That when you're in physical reality, unfortunately, what you tend to do is regard that everything that's not of your vibration as being something higher or that, depending upon its perceived vibration, that means if it glows brighter, it must be better or something, which is a strange conundrum, I have to say. Uh, But that's the way that human beings look upon it, purely because religion has taught you to do that.
0: Yeah. I think people think like that, though, because when they think of a higher being, um, being able to see more dimensions. So if they're in a higher dimension, then they can look down on us and we can't see them. So if we can't see them and they can see us, then they must be higher than us. And that's the perception people have, isn't it?
1: Yes, yes, it is. It's actually not correct, purely and simply, because they're different beings, means that they perceive in different areas of registry. Now, in exactly the same way, dear friends, that human beings often sell themselves far too short, really, in their own physical life, oftentimes because their fear of being egotistical or understanding with what relevance it is that they actually have the visitations or the situations that they embark upon in journeying in the ether world whilst they're asleep or some such thing. And then blow it away by giving uh, some mundane reason of uh, why they're having this dream state or that dream state, when in actual fact it's nothing to do with a simple dream, but actually it's a reality of movement in a different dimension. So oftentimes human beings actually sell themselves short in their understanding about what's actually taking place, simply because they don't really grasp the mechanics behind it. And oftentimes, that is merely a matter of the law of proximity, which, in a sense, human beings often hide behind or cannot perceive a way over or through, so as to fully understand the unique diamondism of the entire universe and its makeup.
0: Okay. I mean, another question that people ask as well is um, around around lifespans. It seems that. Other beings may have much longer lifespans, even thousands of years, compared to us, and that other beings may also have the ability to move from one life. Experience to another without having to forget, without having that amnesia that humans seem to have. That we come into this life as a baby, we forget who we were, and it's almost like starting all over again, completely blind. Have to try and use your intuition to find your way. It is like being blind, to be quite honest. And then you die, and then you may move on to another experience. Now, if you do decide to come back as a human, right, then the likelihood of it is that you're going to forget again. You know, why is it that humans have that? Well, why, Bob? Exactly. Because also, in another. You're yeah, uh, going to forget it. Why exactly. Bother? So, why, why are we here? Why, do we, why did I come to this planet? Why did Mick and Sylvie come to this planet?
1: You came, my dear friend, the same as these two came in order to have an experience, in order to help others to have their experience, and perhaps to reveal something of insight about themselves of which they knew not. The point is that your journeys at this present time as though they are running in parallel, are still different. Your journeys are still, in a sense, a complete conundrum to one another. And that is purely and simply, because what you are doing is you are allowing the ether world, you are allowing the universe to see through your vision, to experience through your ways, through your communication, through other people's communication to you, through your sensory perception, through the other gifts of your spirit and their spirit, how they are interacting with the physical world, and then relaying information back to our side of life. And simply in this focus, what happens is that it means some very important points. You don't have to have a physical life. You don't have to. It's not a a connectivity. It's not a must for all spirits to have a physical life, certainly not a human one, in order to learn something or in order to perceive because you have all lived in abundance for billions and billions and billions of years long before there was ever the planet Earth. And as such, when you look at oneself, you are actually looking at a part of God When you are looking at your beautiful spirit, it's just as beautiful as that of God because it's part of it. So that means to say it's not diminished. It it means to say that your beautiful spirit, when you connect with your beautiful spirit, is just as ascended as the archangel Michael you perceive to have helping you to park your car. or is exactly the same as the angelic realms and forms that you perceive to be so far ascended beyond yourself is simply that all you are seeing are beings who are just as pure as your own beautiful spirit. And yet you diminish it, you throw rocks at it, you throw eggs at it, you, you tread it in the dirt. You, Uh, I'm not saying personally, I'm saying as humanity. That is what humanity does. It cannot perceive of self as being anything other than this detrimental purpose. Rather than being the beautiful unraveling. Like a flower or butterfly from a chrysalis. It's just a matter of your perception of self. Of your individuality, your uniqueness, your beautiful spirit that just wishes to shine through that thick skin. And all that it may takes really and truly, is for your conscious mind and effort to perceive of it. That you don't have to denigrate your life, you don't have to push yourself into the little wills of the organism that you so wretchedly call human. You can step beyond that. Everyone has the potential to step beyond simply by creating different markers, simply by creating different behavior, by honoring oneself, by honoring one's neighbor, by honoring your children, your mother, father, sister, brother, The people who are enemies down the road, honoring them too. And understanding that the person maybe who took your son or daughter or sister's life were just as beautiful in their beautiful, pure spirit as you. It's their behavior that lets them down. It's their lack of understanding and insight into their beautiful spirit that fails them. What they need is education. And what you are doing, friend Ian, is educating people to see themselves
0: Okay, well it 's a very uplifting answer um, <laughs> you 've actually lifted me there as well. Um, I mean that is one of the things I often read on, on the net that people do get very angry you know with life and they, yeah. they often wonder why they're here. You know, what is the point yeah. of it all? You know, it's yeah. a very, very tough world. And, yeah. and it's seen, everything seems to be hedged against us, really. And we think, why are we here? And you know, that was probably why I asked the other question as well: was why we have to forget. Because if we were born with some kind of memory, at least, that we knew that we were connected to, to the divine, without yeah. the amnesia being so strong, yeah. then surely the world would be a better place. But why, yeah. Stone. why is it? Sorry,
1: pardon. you would be stoned, friend.
0: You'd be stoned. Yes. Stoned to death, you mean? Like? <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely so. Yes. It would be. You'd be taken off to the funny farm. Mm. But is it a normal thing, though, within the universe? I mean, do the majority of physical beings across, you know, wherever, um, do they all forget, or is it, you know, give me a feel of what the, you know, the, the majority is on that.
1: It's very, very different. There is no majority. It's very different. It depends entirely upon the schematic that's involved at the time. For example, human beings, they're between, as I say, 200 and 800 cycles per second in, as a rule of thumb. You have some beings that are more than that and others that are a lot less. And that what happens is that within this, the law of proximity simply dictates what the rule of sum of the universe is. That if you, as a beautiful, pure spirit, elect to have a physical life, your beingness as a beautiful, pure spirit stays intact. And what actually happens is, as that physical life organism begins itself, its journey, your beautiful, pure spirit attaches itself to it to the making of two cells and the dividing of more cells from that becomes a part of that spirit's understanding and that spirit's containment in that form of life. It's a bit like I suppose if you were a chicken and you just laid an egg, you would attach a string to the egg which would actually take all of the thoughts and notice from the egg and be brought back to you as the chicken but you're looking at the egg and you're talking to it as a chicken but that the egg doesn't respond because it doesn't hear you because it's actually in its own world, it's another world. Do you see? And in that same analogy it means that your spirit is trying to talk to you is trying to connect with you because it's seen you as the egg gradually growing and multiplying and its cells getting bigger and now you've got hair and fluff and all of the skin and eyes in the right places and beak and everything else. And there you are. Lo and behold, you're a human being. But your spirit is still trying to communicate via the etheric bead and via its beautiful aura around you. But because you're the you're the 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 being that's hatched out of the egg, you're actually either understanding that your beautiful spirit is a part of your journey or you're completely ignoring it and just squawking away at all of the outrageous other things that are going on in the physical life into which it's been born and not noticing the chicken which is your beautiful spirit, you see?
0: Okay, uh, yes. So
1: are there other life forms with uh, their own chicken and egg? Yes, absolutely so. All life forms have to have a chicken and egg situation, purely and simply, because otherwise life would simply be robotic. Life would not have emotional state. Life would not have journey in that way. So does that mean to say that two bugs sitting on a leaf, if they aren't displaying emotional state all of the time, that they do not have spirit? No, it doesn't mean that at all, because oftentimes two bugs actually mate for life. And there's very few people on physical earth that realize or understand that simply because they just relate to bugs as being bugs and not something that is worth their attention
0: yeah no i understand that completely yeah okay so i understand the analogy now but basically but um (laughs) but you know is there is there life forms out there that can live like like humanoid kind of thing right but they may live a thousand years um and then they can choose to die when they want to die and that if they choose to come back into that race that can live a thousand years they could perhaps remember who they were but, you know in an infinite universe could that situation be you know is it possible well it's possible but it's very unlikely as
1: i say because in the main spirit actually don't bother having a physical life It's not all it's cracked up to be. It's actually a a, a rather mundane and uh, lecidious situation. It's a, it's a, a meaning that the spirit has to go through the murky world. And the spirit doesn't actually have to do that purely and simply because your spirit can understand everything about physical life without having to live it. And that's exactly the same as you, my dear friend. You don't have to have the life of uh, some poor servant girl uh, living in Bangkok or whatever because you'd understand from the energy that you see of such a person or from their life history or story just simply through uh, the evidence that you acquire through the media world in which you live presently is enough for you to understand that her world is not necessarily very nice. And that's the same for anyone. So you do not have to die a thousand deaths in order to know what they feel like. You can simply organize that for your own satisfaction once you're in the spirit world. You can understand through communication with those beings who have actually undergone that experience. How? Simply by asking them, by giving your love to them and enabling their experience to be passed to you, for you to experience firsthand exactly what it felt like for them to have their head cut off with a knife or some such thing. So you don't have to go through it yourself as a beautiful pure spirit, maybe your curiosity as a physical person in somehow thinking that if you haven't gone through it then you won't become an ascended being because you haven't gone through that dreadful ordeal. Of physical life as though it's supposed to give you some kind of empowerment that's like saying then it it means that for in order for you to have a physical life you have to go through every drastic situation that was ever thought of or conjured up from the worst minds in hell of human survival in order for you to understand some kind of ascensionism beyond it.
0: Yeah okay I understand that. I mean, f- thank you for answering those questions. I'm, I'm sorry if I, um, uh, you know, got quite deep there. They're, they're, they're kind of things that, you, you know, you really want to ask. And um, yes. a lot of the time we do these shows, we ask questions. And sometimes we listen to them back. You think, oh, crock, I really wish I asked that.
1: Just yes, to, yes, get to that the root be- of it.
0: So I um, appreciate it.
1: My dear friend, I'm sorry to cut you off there. but That is what we are about. We are here to answer the most difficult questions you could ever think of.
0: Well, I appreciate it and I'll try and think of some more.
1: <laughs> Absolutely so. Make them as difficult as possible uh, as the most hardened conundrums you could ever think of Yeah, uh, within your life. They matter to us.
0: Indeed. And if anybody else has got any uh, conundrums they want to send in as well, please feel free. Um, you know it 's great to get them answered isn 't it? And uh, on that note, we are on the hour now as well, so yes. just to say thank you very much, Gregory, um, for coming on again with the group and um, and I really appreciate it and I hope to speak to you again in hopefully a couple of weeks as we always do.
1: Yes, yes, absolutely. so with love and light and abundance within your journey, my dear friend Ian Jones, I thank you so very much for allowing us to take part in this. Uh, situation with you and i thank you all so very much for your love and your energy to one another god bless upon your journeys
0: god bless if you'd like to book your own personal reading with gregory to find out about your own soul journey then please visit the graphic banner underneath the show or visit www.spirit-teaching.com